Hey, good Monday afternoon, everybody from the heart of Freight Alley. What's going on, brother? We have an incredibly stacked show today. We've got an amazing guest sitting in the green room right now. It's Jet McCandless. But really quick, I want to shine a light on what happened with the Zim Kingston. We have some some crazy photos here. here. Look at that. These shipping containers. This this vessel over the weekend, it lost 40 shipping containers up in the Puget Sound, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of those hazmat. And, you know, some people are like, how do, how do those things even float? And it's like, well, they will until the air comes out of them. But, you know, this has been an awful year for, for Maritime, of course. And this is just another situation. An awful fire broke out on that ship. There were 16 crewmen. And did you know that five of them stayed behind to help maintain the ship? And I don't maybe even go down with the ship while the Coast Guard came in. We have a video of the Coast Guard helicopter flying, swooping in here, if we can roll that one, too. They did a wonderful job of getting that down. And one of the issues here, what the Coast Guard was saying is they couldn't do direct spraying on the fire itself because some of those containers that were on fire were hazmat. Oh, so they had to kind of spray to the side and let it kind yeah. of mist on them, that type they, of stuff, so they spread the flames. Wow. Good news, completely contained now. Some great work by, uh, some great work by uh, MERS Supply Service was involved in this. The Canadian Coast Guard, the U.S. Coast Guard helped out as well. So great job getting that together. Um, let's tip the band, then we'll go to Jet. Autonomous trucks are coming with a huge potential windfall if you're ready to seize it. Start re-engineering your supply chain today for autonomy. Contact Locomation at, tell them, dude. Hey, man, go to Locomation. Information.ai for turnkey solutions right after this show. All right, now we have a very busy man on its founder yeah. and CEO of Project 44, Jet McCandless. Jet, how do you even keep track of all the things going on? You need your own like visibility solution software as a <laughs> founder CEO. <laughs> uh, really fortunate I have an amazing team, so that thank you. <laughs> well, well, Jet, you know, you've put some um, you put some great posts on LinkedIn recently, and one of them I was looking at was some of the data that Project Forty Four, the bread and butter of what you guys do. And you're looking at the shipping crisis. If we have this one that shows vessel congestion, let's throw it up there. And in fact, can you, Jet, can you speak to this just a little bit? What uh, what are you seeing on the Project Forty Four side? Well, we are the source of truth for ocean data, and what we're seeing is that it's a bit of a mixed bag depending on the port of origin and the port of destination. But as general trends, uh, this won't be a surprise to anyone. I think uh, it's getting more expensive uh, for a long-term trend, and the service is getting worse. And uh, it's certainly uh, not just one bottleneck throughout the system. It's many bottlenecks uh, and, and slightly different from port to port around the world. But uh, it's going it's to be a bumpy, bumpy holiday season. Yeah, that certainly shows the picture. That 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 shows the picture right there. Too much coming in and not fast enough valve, right? Yeah. Not getting through there. It's just right. building up as you get those things moving on there. But you know, there's there's a lot of stuff there. It also is a cargo lead time. We've got that other one there going through the cargo lead time and what has happened to that over the last three years, right? And in different different areas or different different ports. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's not a not not a great trend. Not what you want to see. As consumer confidence was building throughout the summer. And hopefully in the, in the year, um, these companies are making a lot of hiring decisions. This certainly is going to have an impact. And of course, inflation, which we've been talking about quite some time. Yeah, one of, uh, one of the 
since this has become a mainstream topic, there's a lot of hot takes going on. And I think one of the mistakes that people are making right now is thinking that there's no cargo throughput coming in, thinking we're cut off, right? Yeah. I've seen this conspiracy theory. We're not letting vessels in. But it's quite the opposite, right? Yeah. The problem is we have too much stuff coming in all at the same time. And it's really increasing these lead times as your graphs, uh, your graphs just showed. That's right. You're exactly right. Yeah, product certainly is coming in, but then you go downstream into the chassis and the dray, a uh, number of things where there uh, create challenges there. And then you get into the actual uh, warehouses themselves and, you know, finding workers are tough to process that, uh, that, that product, that freight. And, uh, you know, a lot of them are even struggling on day shifts. And as the warehouses try to go in the graveyard and, and swing shift, um, they're definitely struggling to find labor there. Uh, so it just kind of keeps going down downstream. Yeah, it, def it definitely is going downstream, right? And those lead times are actually lead times to get the containers, right? That's not like from yeah. Ningbo to, to the port or anything like that. And like you said, like you were saying, you know, it's not a lack of throughput. We're hitting record volumes through these yeah. ports, right? L.A., 900,000, 980,000. Jet, how does some of the data here that you're compiling, how does that help some of your partners navigate through these rough waters? Well, we have, uh, we have over 800 customers, and most of them are you know, global 5,000 companies. So by having data like this, they're able to make decisions as to where they should uh, divert product into, which ports they should bring product into. Uh, they also can see uh, which SKUs or which uh, specific items aren't going to make it on time, and that could impact what items they put for sale or what items they have on uh, uh, shelves. Uh, it also can impact... Um, uh, if they should air freight product in order to meet their customers' expectations or demands, and whether it's uh, B to C or just a B to B. So, Jet, you guys recently uh, uh, released a, a new uh, product here, co-developed with some three PL customers. Can you talk us through that? Yeah, excited to talk about this. So, this is a product that we had been thinking about for many years, and a number of customers had asked us to build this product uh, when Project Forty Four was first first started, and. It's called a cooperative or a co-op. And one thing I picked up with traveling over to Europe so often is how successful these uh, co-ops really are, whether they're grocery stores or other retailers, um, much more accepted in Europe than what we see here in the U.S. And it's this idea that many folks can benefit because they're contributing. And when I looked at uh, the requests from the 3PLs out there, there's constant need and pressure for us to... Uh, help with the data that we had uh, run more efficiently. And, uh, but there's always a bit of a concern or, or, or risk. And you know that, uh, you know, competitors and things will try to weaponize it and say it's load matching or brokers or something like that. So uh, you always think about, well, how can you actually position it to the market so it's really clear? And that's why we came up with the name and that's what this product does. So it's very simple. And we have over 400 customers that are LSPs, freight forwarders, freight brokers, 3PLs, uh, folks that fall in that LSP category. And they can either opt in or opt out to share their data. And if they opt in to share their data, then 36 to 48 hours before the delivery, based on the appointment time or ETA, the geofencing, when we can see it's delivered, uh, that uh, carrier uh and that asset is released to the 3PLs that are opted in to be able to call that carrier and book that load. Uh, so it really creates incredible efficiencies for them uh, to find that next, next load. Uh, they could search by 
the connectivity also the carrier has. They can connect by performance by that lane. They could filter down by, uh, is that carrier likely to, to run another lane? So. Wow, very cool. Now, Jet, I saw a picture recently of your Global HQ over in Chicago. Take a look at this. It looks fantastic. It's, it's lit up Thanks. with a beautiful purple color. However, I also saw that, you know, future of work is changing. People being in the office is changing. You've actually, this is a unique thing. You've partnered with a company called Romeo, right? And you're going to throw people in yeah. these vans if they want to, and they can go out in the <laughs> wild. Do we have a picture of that van? Throw that van up that we got. And Jet, speak to this. What is going on here? Yeah, uh, Romeo was started by uh, two friends of mine, uh, Annie and Robbie Nathan. Uh, and Robbie Nathan, of course, was the founder of Load Delivery. And when that company was sold, he, uh, they started Romeo. And it was this idea that uh, folks would want to get out into, uh, into the wild, into these sprinter-type vans. You know, you've probably seen these van life folks out there, uh, which re looks really attractive. And Robbie and I were in uh, uh, paddleboarding just a few months ago. And we thought, like, wouldn't it be cool? Like, how do you how do you prevent team members from burnout? How do you give back to them more? How do you help folks that have been locked down in cities during COVID? Uh, how can you uh, create a vehicle for them to, to recharge? And he said, you know, why don't we put together some program? Why don't we put together a pilot? And then we're uh, make it available for any team members. So we put together a two-month pilot. I think the whole thing was booked in uh, less than 11 minutes. And... Uh, then we extended the pilot, of course, immediately. And the team member is just loving it. It has Wi-Fi, it has a bed, it has a, has a small bathroom. They can go wherever they want. We hear people leaving, uh, going to Colorado, down south in the, the Appalachian Mountains, up to Wisconsin and Michigan, and they're incredibly happy. We don't require that they work, by the way, while they go there. They're just welcome to, to, to work if they desire. Wow. That is, that, cool. is, that is really, really it. cool. I imagine your best ideas come while paddleboarding as well, uh, Chet. Um, <laughs> I'm going to actually, on Thursday, I'm going to find out a lot about that. I, I have a, a recording schedule with you. We're going to go through uh, your career journey, the brand story, and all that of Project 44 on Insiders. And I'm really, really looking forward to that. But thank you for sharing some updates about Project 44 with us today. People who want to know more in the meantime, where should I send them off to? Uh, Project44.com. Easy enough. Easy enough. And follow him. Uh, what? For, I think it's Freight Pipes, right? Freight Pipes on uh, the Twitter. Thank you very much, man. Yeah, take it easy. Well, I'm on Twitter all the time. <laughs> <laughs> really cool stuff. Hey, we got Drew Happage, too. Okay, so e-commerce, big topic coming up. Yeah. Let's have Drew Happage on Chief Commercial Officer over at Nolan Transportation Group. You've seen the mainstream headlines. Christmas is canceled. Christmas isn't going to happen. Get all your kids' toys now. The whole world's coming to an That's end. Right. Not but if we, Drew still can record, we still have record freight. Oh, yeah. There's still stuff. I mean, there's still oh, stuff, there's still right? records amounts of stuff, right? Hey, Drew, thanks for joining us on the show today. How we doing, guys? Good to see you. How you doing? Where are you dialing in from? Where are you sitting right now? I'm actually in our new Austin office. I was down here this week, and uh, we went to the Formula One race in, uh, in the new office today. Ooh, are, are you excited about the growth of, of F1? I know F1 fans, especially from the, the Netflix series, that has really kind of helped make it a little bit more mainstream. Uh, it, it's an exciting sport, but usually pretty big in Europe, but now it's coming to America. Yeah, it was actually really cool to see, and to your point, too, talking about the shipping and everything that goes into it to make that event special. Uh, it was a really awesome event yesterday. First time for me uh, at the Formula One, so definitely a bucket list. I got the cross off there. Nice. Yeah, seen him a few times as a kid up in Cleveland on Burke Lakefront Airport, but oh. not, not in quite a while, and it wasn't all that popular back then, but very, very cool stuff, no doubt about it. But, hey, Drew, let's talk about this e-com growth and how Nolan is handling this stuff. 
Yeah, no, it's been a uh, it's been quite the ride to be honest with you guys. You know, we talk about all this, you know, before the pandemic. I think the one thing everybody thought about was, okay, you know, the year 2025 is going to be like the big e-commerce kickoff. And over the last few, you know, what is it, a year and a half now, um, we've seen this just absolutely explode. You know, so one of the things that we're kind of doing on our end, um, obviously, we're bringing in the people to support it, right? We're going to be bringing out another thousand people over the next year. But the biggest thing that was really needing to happen is obviously the customers were going to have the demand. It was how you're going to fuel with the capacity. And so what we kind of did on our end was obviously when that pandemic hit, a lot of the RK air cargo uh, carriers, you know, they were looking for volume, right? Whether it be spinner vans, uh, straight trucks, uh, some of the other um, cargo vans as well, too. And so one of the things that we did was kind of source a lot of that capacity to make a kind of our own little network within. And so we've been able to provide our customers more solutions during this time uh, when the capacity is the biggest need right now. Are you are you uh, are you growing that that fleet at all? I mean, it seems like the demand, obviously, demand for Class Eight semi is always huge, but uh, the growth of e-commerce over the past two years has also made that Sprinter market pretty gigantic. I know I know Jed over at P forty four is sending his team out into the wild and those things, but a lot of people need those for deliveries as well. What is that looking like? And is that is that also have you seen that? We've noticed in some trends that that's pulling drivers away out of the eighteen wheelers into these shorter loops. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to connect with Jet and see if I can get one of these vans. That looks pretty sweet. I might have to do <laughs> yeah. some deliveries myself. Um, but no, you, to your point, you just hit the nail on the head right there. That's what we've really seen. You know, everybody's talking about this driver shortage. The driver shortage has always, always existed in this industry. I think the biggest thing that we saw that happen was these drivers go from the Class A trucks to the Sprinter vans and cargos, right? And I think the biggest thing was, you know, peace of life, making sure that they were home at night, uh, being able to actually, you know, demand some of the premiums that were happening. And in the world that we live in today, you know, we expect everything tomorrow. And so... A lot of these drivers uh, saw that happen. They saw the, you know, the, the shift that you know, a lot of us work on that day to day. That eight to five job uh, became a reality. And so you know, everybody talks about the driver shortage. I think it was more of a driver shift in that matter. It is, but now, now you got this shift and you got this demand for everything tomorrow and everybody's in these shorter loops. You got to take care of that long haul as well, right? So now you've got this strange mix of what's going on. You can't get it to those shorters to get it that next day. What's the market going to look like as we go into this holiday season? How is this shift going to affect that? Yeah, no, it, it's going to be one of the the, the tightest uh, holidays we think. I think, you know, last year, everybody was like, oh, this is going to be the peak of peak. This year could be even worse, right? You know, you talk about some of those things, you know, Michael, you guys were talking about, you know, the the uh, ships out there in the ports right now. I mean, right now we're at 13 days, you know, birth out, out there for these, these ships. Um, you know, the talks you hear about it, you know, 50, 7,500 ships off the shore right now, too. Uh, the one thing that's coming in, too, I don't know if you guys heard about it today or not, but some of the wind that's happening out in L.A. as well, too. Most of these mm -hmm. ships that are anchored out there are going to have to go push to be back out to sea. So, you know, the one thing that we see from the holiday season, um, this could really turn things upside down. You know, you think about anything from like team drivers to local drivers, uh, the premiums that they're going to be giving. Uh, but I think the ports right now are probably the worst that we've ever seen it. I think the one thing that you're going to see a lot of is when these things do get off the trucks, just the expedite shipments to get a lot of these things to, to the consumers in time for Christmas and things like that as well, too. Yeah, I mean, this storm, too, they were talking about that, that bomb cyclone. And uh, uh, Mike over at G-Captain, he was actually talking about this all last week. And he's like, this, this is something to watch, something to concern. Of course, something happened with the Zim, with the Zim Kingston. It got hit with a 29-foot wave. It made 40 yeah. containers go overboard. Now that wind's going down to where we have, I think, as of this morning, 79 container ships <laughs> at anchor. So this is a situation to watch. I, don't, I, I hope nothing awful happens. But, I mean, it's something that you have to have clarity on. It's another disruption that can happen in the supply chain. It can cause even more issues. Yeah. Um, with all that congestion at the ports, though, what's the freight that's being released? What is that looking like right now, trying to move the stuff that actually is available? Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing, too, right? You know, it's just 
it's not so much what the, the, the product is to your point, it's what's actually getting delivered, right? You know, I've heard a lot in the news lately that you know, the ports need to go to 24 seven and things like that. You know, that to me is just kind of media talk, right? That, that's not going to actually, you know, solve the solutions that we need out there at the ports right now. You know, the biggest thing is the appointments uh, that are being, you know, not served. And those are the big things right now is that you're locking out capacity during that time and some of the emergency situations like that. But you think about the time too, that's being spent, right? Say you have a shipment. I was talking to a buddy about it this morning. You have a shipment today that leaves China. It might not hit, you know, the stores for Black Friday or Cyber Monday. I mean, you think about it getting over the seas in two to three weeks. You think about sitting out at the port for maybe 10 to 15 days. And then you think about getting it to the DC and then from that DC to your final mile moves and things like that as well, too. Uh, these are going to be things that are going to be a big issue as we go forward over the next month and a half. And to your point, do some businesses or do some products or, or things like that. Um, get a little bit of notch to the, to the top. And, and those are things that are uh, remain to be unseen here over the next month and a half. But those are going to be some big issues as we come up here. It is. And that seems like it would be something difficult to do unless it's segregated by ship, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't just work a ship by product. It's got to be stowed a certain way and that type of stuff, right? Well, I mean, we heard Soroka, too. Yeah. He did his media appearance and he was, I mean, when he talked about the most important things, and I know he has commitments to the toy community, but he was yeah. saying toys, which is one of those media things because I think that like regular people hear that and they're like, oh, so it's just toys. And in some ways it does a disservice because there's actually a ton of raw materials, bill of materials. I mean, we have a huge import economy and a huge deficit between imports and exports. There's a lot of stuff that we need, especially in the auto industry with truck repairs. And that's another mounting issue. What are you seeing on the maintenance side coming into this e-commerce season? Do you think there'll be any challenges there with just trucks being out of service? Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's there's multiple issues on that, right? Just getting the mechanics to fix the trucks, right? That's some of the things that we're working at from a labor force and the demand on that end as well, too. Uh, but, you know, everybody talks about the Class A trucks. I think the one or two things that people really aren't talking about is the trailers as well, right? Trailers are going to be treated like gold throughout this uh, season. I think really in 2022, that's going to be kind of the year of the trailer. We're going to see a lot of issues on that and especially with affording warehouses and stuff like that. Uh, but to your point, you hit the nail on the head. The, the parts are going to be the biggest thing that a lot of people can't you know, get right now. And so you think about it, right? You know, obviously drivers always have trouble when they're on the road getting fixed, even more so now today with some of these remote sections and the parts getting to them as well, too. And so, you know, drivers down maybe 24 hours, 48 hours before they get the parts are over there. I've seen drivers down now for a week sometimes, right? And so those are causing even bigger delays, causing claims, issues on the back end as well, too. Uh, and that's something that I don't think we're going to see stop for at least another six to nine months. Six to nine months. So uh, you're outlooking in uh, 2022, the year of the trailer. Um, what's your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I, I look at it this way, right? I think a lot of people are trying to, to, to predict when this next cycle is going to happen. I think a lot has changed since the pandemic, especially when people look at the supply and demand. I think a lot of people look at these class A orders uh, and things like that coming in. Obviously, we're having chip shortage issues as well, too. Uh, so getting some of these trucks on the road as well. Uh, but the big thing that we're, we're going to look at is really, you know, does this demand keep outweighing the supply? Uh, and I think to, to your point, the first half of 2022, I think it's going to be robust. I think it's going to be the same way that we're looking at 21 right now. Uh, but eventually, you know, I do think supply comes back into the market and demand does level off. Uh, but to your point, I don't think we're going to see any of that in the first half of the year. And time will tell, right, how much of the supply can actually come back into the back order of the year. Because you look at some of these OEMs and some of the stuff we talk about from the chip shortages, we're talking 12 to 14 months that they have a backlog right now. And so even if we just said stop today, we're still looking at 12 to 14 months to catch up on that end. So it really demands, or depends on how much this demand continues. 
Yeah, and I mean, there's a bullwhip coming, too, because of all of these delays and orders coming in, especially sure. the ones that miss the holiday season. Warehouse space is really expensive and in short supply now. A lot of people are going to have bills coming in next year. A lot of companies are going to have bills coming in, especially small businesses. How many reorders yeah. are they going to be doing for overseas and are sitting on dead inventory, a lot of which they might even have to boost off to consignment just yeah. because it's no it's no longer in season, especially clothing. I mean, I've worked in clothing before. That that stuff, is it's almost like perishables. Yeah. Yeah. Drew, it's it's going to be a tough time, but I, I, I do like that you said maybe six to nine months. It does put a little bit of hope on the horizon, at least for, for inland stuff. Um, if people in the meantime, they want some help navigating the, the inland portion of this or with air or any of that kind of thing, where should I send them to? Send them to mtgfreight.com. We'd love to have them. Thank you very much for your time today. We appreciate it. Thanks. Good stuff. Drew, always good. Good always stuff. Always good yeah. insights. Yeah. F1, too. I liked hearing about the F1. Big stuff. It is very cool if you've never been. Hey, project management's big now, too. So the supply chain, incredibly complicated, and complicated, difficult to navigate right now. So we're going to talk sure. to Julie Colonna. She's the director of Forwarding Solutions and NVOCC at Uni Group Worldwide. Julie, thanks for joining us on the show today. Hello. Good afternoon. How are you? You know, we were just talking about uh, we were just talking about e-commerce moving things around the yeah. holiday season, um, the mess that the supply chain is, pro and the value of project management. I think you're going to speak to that a little bit right now. As people may already know, not only is Unigroup the parent company of United Van Lines and Mayflower Moving, but the company has uh, been rapidly expanding its logistics division as well. So tell us a little bit about that. So Unigroup is an asset-based company. We have over 500 agents across all 50 states in the United States. Um, our company structure is a little unique in the transportation industry because we are wholly owned by Mayflower and United Bandline agents. Um, these agents, they have knowledge and experience, and they handle high-touch and sensitive cargo that requires additional services in order to execute these deliveries. And this type of logistics transportation, it's a natural complement uh, to our traditional household good business. And that's definitely a growth opportunity in the logistics space uh, for our company. So we successfully move hard to service shipments that a lot of your uh, traditional freight companies, they don't want to handle or they don't know how to handle. So, Julie, you obviously you oversee the project management team at Unigroup uh, Logistics. So how do shippers benefit really from working with logistics companies uh, with a project management team? How do they tap into those skills? So when a customer engages a logistics provider that has a dedicated project management team, they can rely on the expertise of the logistics partner to create a complete supply chain solution. Um, a solution, it may include developing a single mode, like full truckload or ocean or air, or it could be a multi-mode transportation plan, um, could include import coming into uh, the Port of L.A. or Long Beach on a vessel, and then having to truck to, uh, to a location and then to a, a final customer's warehouse. So by utilizing a single source logistics provider, that offers a full suite of services, including project management, a customer can streamline their supply chain operations. Um, a project management control tower approach with a single point of contact, it really eliminates the customer having to try to manage multiple providers 
And then they're able to focus on what's really important to them, their own business, whatever it may be, whether it's a service or manufacturing. Um, project management teams manage the shipper supply chain across their own internal organizations with their different suite of services, but also project management teams also can be uh, provide the carrier management services and manage a shipper or customer's third-party carrier relationships as well. Well, yeah, I mean, that's true in good times or bad times, though. Now, given the challenges of the shipping crisis, what additional benefits are unlocked? So your earlier guest talked about the port congestion and the lack of capacity. I'm not sure if you mentioned chassis. That's been a real um, situation at inland uh, ports throughout the U.S. But especially with all these challenges and disruptions in the supply chain, Customers need more than ever visibility, transparency, and streamlined communication for their, from their logistics providers. Um, so utilizing a project management type of approach allows that. Um, there's not as many parties that they have to reach out to to track freight or find out where their freight is through that supply chain um, funnel. And also um, better communication. What we're seeing from our customers as uh, they're migrating over to our organization is saying nothing cannot be an option. Um, these are difficult times. Customers need and deserve answers, even when we have to have the difficult conversation that a shipment may be delayed because of a vessel not arriving or um, uh, something getting rolled on, a, on an airplane. Yeah, so Julie, you talk about all these different uh, pain points that can happen during the supply chain and need for that. What are some of the services that one can expect from going through a special project management? So it's going to vary by logistics company, um, but at Unigroup, we provide an end-to-end -end solution to our customers. And some of the services that we provide in-house here are um, the transportation, domestic transportation, the full truckload, the lesson truckload, the final mile. We do warehousing, inventory distribution, uh, customs brokerage, ocean freight, air freight, um, installation, and also reverse logistics. Cool. Well, I mean, I, you must obviously see the need and the scope for project man management increasing because freight volume is increasing. So here yeah, go, one would go with the other. But obviously, obviously the challenges of the environment uh, increase the need as well. Is that true? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. It really has. So, so Julie, what, what excites you the most there about your job there at Unigroup? So I would say um, creating complete logistic solutions for the seemingly impossible. Mm -hmm. There is a solution for everything in the logistics world. There just may not be an easy path to get there. And I tell my teams every day, if it was easy, every logistics provider out there would be doing it. And in cases when it's not easy, that's what Unigroup does. So we take the hard to handle and the difficult, and we create real solutions that are successful for our customers. Very cool. Well, try to stay staying during this this difficult season that we're uh, that we're entering and that we've been in. I mean, yeah. it's not like this is anything new to us. It may be new to the mainstream news, but we've been dealing with it as logisticians Absolutely. for over a year.
two years now. Uh, thank you so much, Julie. Take it easy. Have a great uh, Monday. It is Monday, right? I was like Friday. It is Monday. Thank yeah, you. no, have a great thank Monday. You, gentlemen. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right, with more than 1,500 maintenance bays offering light mechanical services and DOT inspections, Love's Truck Care and Speedco are invested in getting your drivers back on the road quickly and safely. Learn more at loves.com. You better. Your dreams have been granted. Finally, CPAP users can have comfort and better sleep with Dreamport by Bleep. The only headgear-free, strap-free, leak-free solution that improves health, and it does not obstruct your view. Nothing in the nose, nothing in the mouth, no pain, not in this dojo. Try it for a week and discover better bleep and sleep with Dreamport by Bleep. It's covered by insurance, under warranty, ISO certified, and FDA cleared in the only Made in the USA product on the market, so not stuck at the port, right? Not it's stuck not stuck on the ever. vessel. Visit bleepsleep.com for more information. That's right. Now we got a really cool video that's going to tee up our next guest well. So let's play this one from our buddy Stanimal over on TikTok. Very cool. All right, here's a live update today, October 23rd, Saturday. A little bit of rain today here in Long Beach, California. It's looking like the terminal is still pretty full here. The ship I'm working today is uh, finishing tonight it's been here for five days we have five cranes working on today so i would say about 1500 of these cans will be going on the ship today and the ship will finish tonight sail another ship will come in tomorrow morning there goes the yard there goes the ship there's the ship right here ship's been working for since tuesday it's a bigger ship so tonight it's going to finish sale. 1,500 of these babies are going on it today. Figure about 300 moves per crane will be loaded onto the ship. That's the update, babies. October 23rd, Saturday. Working. There's a, that looks like a lot of containers to me. Our next guest is Ian. <laughs> God bless you, God too. Bless you God too. bless you too. God bless you too, All right, our next guest, <laughs> right. Ian Wyland. God bless you, Very Ian nice. Wyland. He's the international <laughs> account manager at Junction Collaborative Transport. Uh, Ian, how you doing today, man? I, I've been reading your posts on um, on LinkedIn. I think I know where the chassis are. They're underneath all your containers. Yeah, I've. Uh, I almost feel like I'm losing it. I've been losing it for like the last month. Uh, it's just it's sheer chaos right now. It's sheer chaos. Um, just like Jet said uh, earlier, it's it's all about space, and there there really is no space, whether it be for the imports or the empties or anything really. Everything is sitting somewhere at this point, and there's just too much of it in LA to, and then the infrastructure just can't handle it. I mean, you heard from Stanimal on there the pace at which they work with, and he was talking about the number of containers that come off. And now we're talking about vessels. You know, he says like 1,500 can be moved. We're talking about vessels that are holding like 8,000 containers to, you know, 1,400 yeah. containers. Roll that video of the airplane flying over Southern California right here. This was over the weekend. This was from a Reddit user. They posted on here. They're flying in, uh, through Orange County, landing at the airport. Those are all the vessels sitting out the water right yeah. now, just mounting up, especially over it's the crazy. weekends because – they work even slower. Um, you know, you mentioned space, Ian, and on Friday, Ryan Peterson from Flexport, he put out a tweet that 
they should temporarily change the laws in the area, the ordinances, on the amount of containers that can be stacked from a current limit of two all the way up to, I think that uh, he was asking for six. Robert Garcia, and there, yeah, there's that tweet. And this is actually a really unique moment because this is when Twitter actually had a change happen. We'll, we'll ask you if it's a good change, but... Um, this went out, and I put up Robert Garcia. He's the mayor of Long Beach, so he saw this. That got traction. He saw the response. People called the mayor's office. By the end of the day, he said, effective immediately, Long Beach is allowing cargo to be stacked up to four containers high at container lots across the city and up to five containers with safety appro- approvals. Previously, two had been the limit. This is a temporary move to address our national supply chain emergency. Let me ask you, do you think that this measure will help, at least in the short term? Sure. I, I think... All of the solute there, there's been very limited actual solutions offered yeah. uh, that have anything to do with space, with space being the key driver for anyone here, like that creates the movement of the trucks. Any solution right now at this point is beneficial. And I believe there will be some benefit to this, but there's also, there's, a, there's quite a few moving facets involved in basically the supply chain where this one piece this one piece will essentially fix some space fix some chassis and essentially create movement absolutely so ian you put out a a, a post uh, when was it the 22nd i believe it was empties on friday the 22nd that are sitting out there i think we have a, a graphic of this to put that put that up there right now no we don't oh we don't have that i'm sorry it's just the numbers yeah. 514 so the numbers yeah 514 uh, wasted chassis wasted empties sitting on top of those chassis right we saw a stanimal over there who's putting 1500 containers back on that ship mm. right we're talking about space but we also know that people are talking about they they cut the ship short and sail them without getting all the empties on there should that be part of the the issue as well that's why space is building up as well right they're cutting the ship short without putting in enough empties on them right it's possible I, I honestly i'm not part of that uh piece of the puzzle here in la for mm-hmm. us um i'm just in and out of the truck uh basically we do as directed really what are you, the main challenges that you're facing? If you had to diagnose the poor crisis from the seat you're sitting in now, what are the biggest issues for you as a provider of that service? Uh, for us, basically, it's space and chassis. Like right now, for, uh, we have a ton of in-house chassis that we utilize. But what ends up happening when someone goes to pick up the container, the next container well, let me let me put it this way. There's some common misconceptions that I see when people uh, start commenting and or start uh, they wonder when their container is going to get picked up. What ends up happening when a container is scheduled, let's say, for instance, on a Monday and you have you schedule it on Monday for a particular Wednesday, you know, two days from two days from now, essentially um, from a truck standpoint, when you go to schedule that container. We're, we are literally blind into the next phase of the process. So come Wednesday, we really have no idea if we're going to have a chassis, if we're going to have a dualable empty, um, or if we'll have a bare chassis. We really have no idea. And a lot of times, the, those that, are, that give us the loads or those before us, they think that an appointment right now means that the container is going to get picked up and it, Honestly, it doesn't, unfortunately. So what happens when those appointments don't, you know, or they, they don't make the appointment? It has to be rescheduled. What kind of delays does this cause? And what do shippers need to know about this so they understand it a little bit better? 
when the for this solely speaking for the truck when we go to schedule an appointment like a normal container may take let's and i'm making up numbers but let's say a normal container takes about five minutes when we go to do like what's i guess almost like a reset those things can take 15 20 minutes a container and if you're moving to one two three hundred containers uh it's a complete time killer um where those new containers basically they all just take their turn in line and being blind. So let's say on Monday, I've got 10 containers a day. Well, if I'm missing five of the 10 come Friday, I've got myself a, I'm in the hole, um, give or take 40 containers. And it's just, it is now I'm in the hole 40 plus another new set of new containers coming in. And it is, it's complete chaos. If someone doesn't, uh, like from a, uh, customer service standpoint, if someone doesn't get control of it, it's, it, it creates a lot of problems. It's, it sounds like, I mean, what I'm hearing here is there's just zero communication between what equipment is going to be ready and when the containers are going to be coming out of the port. Is there an empty? Isn't there an empty? Is there room? How do we fix this problem? You know, I mean, do we, do we just keep working through this until it starts to slow down and go back to business as usual? But it doesn't seem like anybody's got a good workable plan yet. And we certainly need one. I mean, Ryan did. I mean, it's, he got something. Well, right. yeah, he got something. He got something done with the, yeah. the uh, you know, two more containers. But uh, you know, is that the solution? More. Just keep stacking them higher. No. It's it, it'll work. It, it'll be something. Uh, and like I said, it's something. Like uh, they tried to incorporate the twenty four seven. It's that doesn't do anything for the space. That doesn't do anything for the chassis. Uh, Ryan has offered something that does something. Uh, you know, a direct equivalent or a direct helper of the of those two ideas of the chassis in the space um the i i equate the whole thing that's going on my my wife is a physician and i ask if she can like uh see 10 to 20 patients a day and on max 30 if she's taken 30 the, the whole supply chain here in la if she's taken 30 patients a day for now, what would be like, give or take, what, 12, 16 months, it's the systems are going to break down. And there's just, that's what's happening here. There's too many individuals who have too many different systems and they're all just breaking down and they're just not having time to reset. And they just need, realistically, I, I would say a hard reset as much as it, it, it would be detrimental to a lot of different parties, but that's but what problem- I see... The problem is, this, like, part of the root cause of here is the steamship lines themselves. I mean, they're scheduling the vessels. Sure. They are the ones capitalizing on the chaos. They're the ones bringing in record earnings, and they're the ones deciding when the vessel sails, no matter how full it is, and they don't want to export air back to yeah. to China, but that's their choice. But, like, our port is getting clogged this way, but they're they're willfully, like, they're, they're Boston is open, big ship ready. They're yep. not going to Boston until 2022. That could alleviate some congestion up in New York, New Jersey. Now, it's not a huge port, not a ton, but a call there would help the shippers out in Boston enough. Sure. There's the demand there. You I could be sending more ships to Oakland, right? You could yeah. be sending more ships to SeaTac. Yeah. But the steamship lines are not doing that because they're getting a lot of money on those rates. Ian, do you have um, – what, what, I know if you had the solution, you'd be a billionaire right now. But what does your company do right now that can at least help alleviate some of this pain and some of this pressure to make it somewhat manageable? I, that would be a million dollar question. I, I wish I, dual transactions uh, is essentially, yeah. if a container gets dueled on the way back in, 99% chance it's going to get out. Uh, much like there's some other posts that I've seen that 
guys in our position, they they're running, they're not running full capacity, and and we're not. We we really aren't. Uh, we're basically dueling back into everything and anything we can uh, to maximize the throughput day to day. Tough situation. Tough situation. Thank you. For sharing your perspective from an operator over there, people who want to connect with you and learn more and hear more of your perspective, where do I send them to? I say please email me at rates at jctransports.com. Ian, thank you so much, man. Have a good day. Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks, Ian. All right, now in studio, I'm excited. I'm excited for this. I know, I know we had a Freight Tech Unicorn earlier. I know we had Ian on. I know we had Unitrans. I know we had Nolan Transport Group, but I'm a dog lover. And we have UB here, and he has brought his friend, Jason Johnson, with him, who's the founder <laughs> of Project K9 Hero. Thanks so much for joining us today in the studio. Thank you for having us. We're uh, really glad to be here. I love, now, what breed is that dog right there? Uh, this is Dutch Shepherd. Uh, she's actually a female. She served right here at the Chattanooga Police Department. She worked on the highway interdiction team for uh, six years. And uh, when her time came up for retirement, there was no handler on the department left to take her home. So she needed a place to go. They uh, contacted us here at Project K9 Hero and said, can you take UBN? And she lives with us at our rehabilitation rehoming center out in Tennessee, well, in Marion County, Tennessee here, mm -hmm. where we have 177 acres where we help take care of over 151 retired police canines and military working dogs just like UB at Project K9 Hero. Wow. So how long does the mandatory uh, retirement at 65 years old? Is that what it is? <laughs> you know, some of them just go to, to they physically can't do it anymore. Yeah. You know, and that's my background in police and military and um, kind of like a soldier or a special operations soldier. Uh, the wear and tear on their bodies during their career is different than your pet. So just picture you be working on I-75 out there searching cars and trucks and tractor trailers and buses and airplanes all day in and out of those things up and down. Not the same on their joints as a normal pet. So she's eight years old, and she has a hard time getting up in the morning. Uh, you can see her joints and things like that from her work career. But, you know, Yubi's, Yubi's story as one of our national ambassadors is one that not every police canine or military working dog has a place to go to when their time's up. And that's one thing the Project Canine Hero does to make sure they all have a home to go to and they're getting the type of retirement they deserve. Now, is, are these dogs that civilians can adopt? They can. If, uh, if people visit our website, projectk9hero.org, uh, right now at the facility we have about seven dogs. Uh, some are behavioral issues. Uh, we have one Stanley that will be coming up from adoption in the next week or two. He just retired from uh, West St. Paul Police out there in Minnesota. And um, he's, he doesn't have behavioral issues, but he does have some medical issues. He has some issues with his eyes. He has some issues with uh, discs in his back. But, you know, Project K9 Hero is also there to make sure that uh, their medical care is taken care of for life as well. So once they, be, once they get adopted and become a, a member of our program, we're there to cover those costs at 100%, and that's how our, our nonprofit operates. Oh, that makes a lot of sense, because, I mean, older dogs are not the easiest ones for, for people to come adopt, because sure. they, they think of those concerns. They go, well, it's going to be a big cost thing, because you're getting right. a dog in the most expensive years of its life. The other thing that I found interesting, too, is that I think for laymen, when you hear that, like, canine, police, military, canine, you're thinking, like, vicious German shepherd. Right. And, and that's obviously not what, what UB is. Are, no. Are, are most of these dogs the kind of dogs you, you could bring home to a family? Well, they vary. We certainly have ones at our facility that you cannot. Um, we have German shepherds, Belgian Malinois. UB is a Dutch shepherd. She appears calm here with me, but she can be angry as well. Um, you know, she doesn't like people getting in her face, strangers, things like that. So let people know she's uncomfortable. Um, but, you know, the police and military dogs vary. Um, she's a narcotics interdiction dog. Some go out and do patrol apprehension work. Some are search and rescue. We have bloodhounds in the program that are, that are harmless. 
Uh, we have Labrador retrievers who just do simple tasks like, uh, you know, accelerant detection. So it, it all varies, and uh, each dog's different. Uh, at either rate, at Project Canine Hero, we're here to make sure that if, whether it be a working dog in, in the federal government, the police service, or the military, we're here to take care of them. So when you, when you uh, talked about, you know, the farm that you have up there in, in Marion, one of the key words that you said a, a, a number of times was, was rehab. What are some of the issues that you have to work through with some of these dogs? Well, a lot of them, um, they'll have uh, issues with um, whether it be aggression issues or mm -hmm. issues where they can't get along with people. Uh, for example, Yubi here can't get along without her ball. She's, she's dropped her ball. And, I and it's, she's got it, that Kong. It's, it's back behind us here, so we'll let her get it. But uh, some dogs have different issues. Come on, girl. Uh, different things that they just can't uh, do without. And uh, um, some of it, some of it, it can be dangerous. Um, we have a dog there from the Capitol Police that has a, a resource guarding issue. Yeah. So you put food down in front of it, it is going to react negatively if someone tries to come near that, that resource. Mm. It's very difficult to overcome, and some of these dogs can be adopted out. So, you know, we're here to make sure that we help. Uh, if, if they can't get a home, if we don't have someone out there who can adopt them, that's why we have the facility out there where we do house them uh, out there in Marion County. Um, those are for dogs all around the nation. Like I said, we got, we got them from the federal government to uh, we have military working dog, Rosso, with the, with the United States Air Force out there. Rosso served the United States president, last two presidents. Wow. Uh, did 10 Secret Service missions, and he uh, has an Air Force Commendation Medal. He has um, served the president in Japan. Uh, did Operation Inherent Resolve overseas, uh, all different types of uh, missions. And at the end of the day, he was scheduled to be euthanized uh, when his career was up because he was deemed unadoptable. So if there wasn't organizations like ours that exist, uh, Rasa wouldn't be here today. Well, let me ask you why it exists. You are the founder of Project Canine Hero. So why did you start the company? Why did you start the, uh, the nonprofit? Well, like I said, my career has been in uh, military, police, federal government, service overseas, working with dogs. And what I found is after I trained about 2,000 dogs uh, with here in the United States and abroad, that no one was here to take care of them in retirement, that their bills weren't being paid for, that whoever adopts the dog, it is 100% on them. And not every soldier or every police officer has that ability. And then there's dogs like Yubi who don't even have a home to go to. So I started this organization to make sure that no canine hero was left behind, that we educate the public on the responsibilities that it takes to take care of these dogs and what they do for our organization. And we're showcasing that coming up here this uh, coming next month in our Canine Hero Awards in Washington, D.C. It's going to be uh, live November 4th at the Mellon Auditorium. And we're going to be honoring seven of our nation's top law enforcement military dogs and in search and rescue in the fire service. And people can check that out on our website at projectk9hero.org. You'll see a Canine Hero Awards drop down. Uh, we have sponsors. Uh, with that event right here in this industry, um, Diamond Truck Financial is a sponsor of ours, uh, going to be at the award show. We, uh, up at the American Trucking Association, I know it's going on in Nashville right now, we have a, uh, one of our dogs up there on the ground, so if anyone's watching, reach out to us. If you want to have uh, K9 Clara and her handler John stop by the booth, uh, we have representation up there going on. So we're really trying to uh, spread awareness through all industries of what we do. Um, but these heroes at the K9 Hero Awards that are going to be showcased are going to be uh, magnificent. The, the stories of heroism are great, and uh, we try and get as many people involved as we can. Excellent. So, where do people go to learn more? Where, if they want to adopt the dog or support the charity, where should I send them to? Yeah, projectk9hero.org is, is where you'd go to learn more about our organization. Um, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Project K9 Hero. We post the adoption opportunities on there. 
you know, a lot of people on adopt, we have 400 adoption applications and we only get one adoption every now and then, you, you know, so the, the ratio is not as high and we really have to vet those out. But what we do have is 151 dogs in the program that need our help now. So uh, making a donation to projectcaninehero.org, signing up for monthly donations, checking out our shop. We have a lot of great things in our shop. I brought a few things like our deck of cards from Bicycle. We have children's books. We have apparel like I'm wearing. We have patches like UV has on here. But these are things that people can go still donate for. Challenge coins. I brought one for each of you guys over here. Oh, uh, Project awesome. Canine Hero Challenge Coin. All on our website. People can check out and um, really represent the organization as well as make a donation to help a hero like UB. Hey, UB. Amen. Jason, you guys have a good time at the uh, the awards November 4th. Go check out Project Canine Hero. Obviously, donate or consider taking a dog if you need one for your home or for your family. One more time, thank you so much and thank you for your service. Thank you for and having Yubi, us. Thank you for your service. Yeah, thank you both. Awesome. All right, everybody. That was a pretty big deal. Time for a little big deal, little deal. Big deal. Little deal. All right, Michael Vincent, our friend Molson Hart, who was on the show about a month ago. He's an Amazon seller and is the CEO oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 of yeah. Via Heart. He tweeted something interesting, maybe an indicator of why things will slow down next year. He said, we just received our first transloaded container, two weeks of sea freight from China, Los Angeles, one week to unload, five days to transload, unload container, and reload at a normal truck, two days to truck from LA to Texas warehouse. It cost him $25,000. This wow. was relatively quick, too, wow. compared to some of his other yes, containers. I'm sure he's got some of that holiday freight, but he's told me. He doesn't have enough necessarily to meet demands, so he's got to raise prices, and stuff sure. is still flying out to get to the holiday season. So good, you'll get a little bit more margin in there, but bad, you're not really going to have the inventory and throughput you want. But his story, I don't think, is unique. So big deal or little deal? Well, I, I, think, it's, I think it's a big deal, because when you talk about $25,000 to move this thing, yeah. so that's what uh, six times what it used to be, right? It used mm -hmm. to be $4,000. 30% uh, increase in prices coming out of this stuff for him, yeah. that's going to average across all the stuff that's out there. I think it's a big deal, man. I think it, it could be a really big deal for I, us. I got to agree. I got to, yeah. So uh, here's a big deal, little deal. The American Transportation Research Institute's top 10 list has some really big differences between what drivers and what management or C-suite uh, are, 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 are looking at as an important, right? And one, you know, a couple of them, parking and fuel prices, where one is not even in a top 10, the other is it's the number one concern. Yeah. Is this a big deal or little deal to try and get things fixed? It is a big deal. I mean, this, this, these, these ATRI reports, they come out every year, right? For five years in a row, and I think for even longer, I mean, these things have been very, very misaligned. And we constantly hear drivers being told this mantra of that there's a driver shortage. Well, drivers are like, why don't you look at our complaints and our issues about clarity of pay, about parking, right? Yeah. About quality of life, about communication and about equipment. Why is that not the number one issue? Why are those part of that? And retention, like retention's not number one. Why isn't retention a bigger issue than driver shortage in a field where you have near 100% turnover? Yeah. There's so much churn in the industry that people fall out of the spigot. And when drivers hear, when they hear driver shortage, they hear that you're not supporting them. And it's dispiriting, I think, to have these things. This, you know, I, I imagine Atri, AT, they're trying to do their best at these things, maybe. Sure. But I, it, it, look, from the driver's perspective, this has to be incredibly dispiriting because no matter, it seems like no matter what they say, no matter how many surveys Atri does, WorkHound does, um, how many times drivers come on this show, th their needs are still not addressed and they're still ignored. And we have big conferences where people go out there and, and tell them outright. A hundred percent with is a bigger you. issue than parking or all these other things. Huge deal. Huge, Huge deal. deal. C-suite needs to look at the disparity in these two things and figure it out. 
some of the solutions are right, right there, there in it's what right the there drivers in front of are you. saying. The issue is right there. I agree with you 100%. Number one is, is driver shortage, but then it's, it's not retention. And all the things that the drivers are saying, there's your retention but, and there's your driver shortage. But here it is. It's lazy and it's easy in some ways because if you just go driver shortage, then you don't really have to do anything. Oh, we're yeah. just going to increase recruiting. Yeah, driver shortage. We can't, we can't recruit them. We're no. not going to change the industry. We're not going to collaborate and we're not going to make a better environment that makes drivers want to stay in here and attracts drivers because of the social proof of being a great job with tons of truck drivers saying, this is an awesome job. You know, why yeah. don't you not go in debt to college and why don't you come in this trade right, right here? Or maybe you went to college, maybe you did a job for a couple of years in office, you're not digging it. Hey, you can make even more money behind the wheel if you get dedicated and you learn what you're doing. So Absolutely. I think it's a huge deal. Yep. Um, and maybe it won't be this driver. Okay, this truck. <laughs> let's take a look at this picture here. Bring this up right here. This truck, he thought he was in the Oregon Trail. He tried to ford the river right here. <laughs> he, he didn't did. even caulk the wagon. He just decided to go straight through the river. Um, the Wyoming Highway Patrol was dispatched <laughs> this area at 5.38 a.m. Thursday morning and spotted that vehicle right there. The driver was unharmed. In fact, he says he was asleep at the time of the incident. He must have been <laughs> shocked and surprised when he woke up. Yeah. Big deal or little deal, dude? Well, I think the big deal is the passenger didn't wake him up as they traveled right into this river right here. Uh, I mean, it, it's uh, ultimately, it's a little deal. It's a big deal for him. Yeah. They pulled his butt out of there. One of my problems with this is when I played Oregon Trail, I could only choose between like a regular wagon, a prairie schooner. I didn't get a semi. I didn't get an 18-wheeler. I would have picked it if I, if I could have. Nobody died of dysentery in this, uh, in this uh, short sea, short sea shipping event. But we're not done. This is a two-parter. Here's another truck fail. Bring this one up. This guy was driving around. Arizona Department of Transportation tweeted, uh, IRU crews are out at Loop 202 at Red Mountain at Greenfield and snapped some shots of the reason for this closure that was causing a huge backup. Um, and they said it's important to secure your load no matter how big or how small. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, yeah, the big deal is why didn't he get littering? The truck's not even there anymore. That's just the that's just the dump part of it. I know where is the, <laughs> the rest of it? A guy took I just left. That's littering, man. That's five hundred dollar fine in Tennessee. No, I wish we had the, I wish we had a uh, the picture of before he decoupled from it. I wonder if it raised the back of it up, right? Like it wedged it upwards. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but that is that is crazy, man. Here lies Andy, pepperoni and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> absolutely nuts, man. It's absolutely crazy. Come I'm on, sorry, man. I've lost myself right, right. here, dude. Well, I'll just ask you then. According to the Associated oh, Press, federal prosecutors say a Georgia man used a pandemic relief loan. Sorry, I'm not trying to have anger in my voice. So, uh, don't, don't have it, man. Have it. This is angry. Press. Federal prosecutors say a Georgia man used a pandemic relief loan to buy a $57,000 Pokemon card. Right. Court records show a Dublin man is charged with lying on an application for a pandemic economic relief loan about the number of people in his business employed and the company's gross revenue. He, in, he faces one count of wire fraud. It's a big deal or little deal. This Pokemon card caper. It's a, I mean, it's a big deal. He wasted $57,000 on a yeah. Pokemon, right? But I think that we have to reserve how big of a deal it is because we don't know what the card was. Well, okay. I'm, I'm, Does I'm, the card matter? You're half wrong here. I, it, oh, it's, well, I, that's good. I'm I, not, that's, I think that. if you know the card, then it's a little deal because you could look at this almost as like venture capital being Well, that's what I'm saying. I can't say how big or little a deal it is because I don't know what the card is. If I mean, it's a rookie card for Pikachu, then it's a big deal because, dude, that's not right. Can I judge you grand? for taking fiat currency and converting it into Pokemon? No. Pokemon value cards or the valuation of Pokemon cards keeps rising. Dude, he, he may have just made it. It could be worth $114,000 right like now. Mint Charizard? That's what I'm saying, But dude. are you supposed to take pandemic loans and make investments like that? Well, I don't know that it says what business you're allowed to have for the pandemic loan. Maybe this is his business. Again? Why didn't we take some? Uh, when, um, you I ever seen like know. the Legos and Nerf guns and things like that that I collect? 
Well, uh, maybe we should have. Maybe we just, it's our bad for not checking out the rules. I guess so. I don't know. Hey, what's going on in Ohio? Why do they keep, uh, why does the CBP keep catching people with the counterfeit rate? <laughs> I don't know, dude. Have you ever bought it's a counter- big deal. It's a big deal in Cincy, you, man. Big business down do there. Do you wear knockoff championship rings? I've got several at home. You no. do? Like an Ohio <laughs> State Championship <laughs> knockoff? Hey, this has been What the Truck for three times a week, noon Eastern time on demand. Look us up on your podcast player, What the Truck, or download the Freight Waves TV app and watch our ugly mugs in HD. You can catch his face tomorrow on Freight Waves now you know at 9 a.m. Eastern. Eastern Time, Financial Rad, Timothy Duner. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Tell him how to be. Hey, peace and love, everyone. Spread it everywhere. 